Everybody move to this side and up close. Like they think they're going to get some Skittles today. Bad news. I brought no Skittles with me. So, but good try. See, kids, they're like, wait, what? They get Skittles in here? We're going to stay in here all the time. Uh, hey, so it is Thanksgiving weekend, so i got to start with a big thank you. I don't know that I say it enough. Just thank you for letting me come up here every so often and, and hanging out, and I love it. And I always bring Ella Grace with me. She loves coming up here. And uh, she told me a couple of weeks ago, she goes, I like that church. They don't, care, they, don't, they don't care what I do or how I dress. They just like me. And that, that's a good testament of a healthy church right there. That's it, right? So I appreciate I appreciate you having us. I appreciate you treating me like family when we're here. And uh, it's just a good, good time. Um, here's what we're going to do. No Skittles, my bad. I uh, should have saved that for this week. But we're going to wrap up this No Ordinary Father set of scriptures, set of sermons that we've been doing uh, today since this is the last time I get to be up here for a little bit till after the holidays. And this is a weird one, right? I'm just going to be right up front with you. It's, it's a little odd. We're building off of this idea that God wants us to see him as our Heavenly Father. And that that's hard because we all have earthly dad experiences that complicate that a little bit. So I'm going to give you a roadmap of where we're going today, all right? So there's going to be different scriptures we're going to look at. One of them. If, if you've been around church very long at all, which most of you have, because I recognize you, it's going to be pretty familiar. There's going to be another one that's probably not so familiar. It's kind of weird, easy to get lost in, but we're going to get through it. Then there's going to be some at the end that's going to kind of clear it all up, and it's either going to be this, wow, oh my goodness moment at the end, or the sermon's going to flop terribly bad, and we'll just go home and you won't see me for a few months. We're hoping for the wow. All right, that's what we're going for, but we'll see how we get there, all right? So here's the deal. Here's where we're going to jump in. We're going to jump in where Jesus has is, is gone back to Jerusalem, and in Jerusalem, it's, it's, part, it's, it's a season of feast, okay? So kind of like we just had Thanksgiving, and we all travel, get together with family, go to Grandma's house, go to somebody's house. We get together, and we share a meal, right? A lot of the Jewish feasts were that way. They would get together, they would share a meal, they would celebrate, they would remember, and they would reflect. And so Jerusalem was just full of all kinds of people. So this was a great time for Jesus because he shows up and he's got a crowd. And, and a bigger crowd, a different crowd than what he normally has. Because now all these people that have been hearing about this Jesus guy, they see him. And they get to hear him teach, and they get to experience all that he does. And so there's really two main groups that are following Jesus at this time. There's the religious people, right? And we know the religious people, and in a lot of the Gospels, they're the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all the Cs. Um, and they know everything, right? In Ron language, they're the got-it-together church, right? They, they got it all together. They know the rules. They know how to get it through it. They know everything. And then there's this weird little band of misfits, right? Now, those are my people right there, right? It's They're following Jesus. They're kind of outcasts. They're kind of no, nobody's real sure what to do with them. We got some tax collectors. We got some fishermen. We got some just random brothers that are hanging out. We got all these different kind of outcasts, men, women, children. And these two groups have now come together, and they're all in Jerusalem. And they're all listening to Jesus teach. And we pick up the story in John chapter 3. And this is the one you're probably a little bit familiar with, right? But in John chapter 3, one of these religious leaders, one of these religious folks, 
shows up, and it says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. So not only was he got it together, he, was, he got it all the way together, right? He's, he is the top of the food chain of religious folks. And he came to Jesus at night. Now here's my little sidebar. There's a lot of conversation on why he came at nighttime. Did he come at nighttime because he didn't want to be seen with Jesus? Did he come at nighttime because there was just finally a chance where there wasn't a big crowd and he could have some one-on-one? We don't know. My guess is probably a little bit of all of it, all right? But he wanted a conversation with Jesus. He didn't just want to debate and argue. and He just wanted to sit down and have a conversation. So he came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. So he gives Jesus some credit. He says, listen, there's obviously you've been doing some healings. You've fed a lot of people. You've controlled weather, walked on water. Like, he acknowledges all that Jesus has done that they can see. He says, so we know there's something about you. So let's have this conversation. Let's, let's talk about this. Jesus replies, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now this is where it gets weird, right? Born again, like what, what in the world does that mean? What, how, how does this happen? What is this, right? And so there's this conversation in which Jesus has immediately confused him. What does it mean to be born again? Right? How is this, this going to be different than, than what we know? How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter into their mother's womb to be born a second time. That's a really good question because that's weird, isn't it, to be born again? Listen, I have two daughters. I saw them both be born. It is a gross, disgusting miracle of life. That's what they tell you you're supposed to say. It's a miracle of life. And it is. I get that. But it's weird. There's stuff happening that you don't want to see. Kids, ask your parents over lunch. It'll be great. Great great lunchtime conversation. <laughs> I didn't know the kids were going to be in here. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. This is where it gets good. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Now, this isn't a hard concept for us. We get this, right? There's this born of the water. That's natural human birth. Right? We get that. And then spirit gives birth to spirit. So there's a natural spirit there, there's a natural birth and there's a spiritual birth, and the spiritual birth is this idea in which Jesus is revealed to us, right? That our spirit comes alive. There's a part of us that engages when we make a commitment, when we're baptized, when we surrender our life to God. Something inside us comes to life, and that something's the Holy Spirit. And it begins to be a part of us that really becomes more alive the closer we get to Jesus. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying, listen, the, 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 your body's made up of two parts. There's a part of you that's, that's dying. From the day you're born, you're dying. You're getting older. You're, you're growing. You're aging. But there's a part of you that doesn't age. There's a part of you that doesn't die. There's a part of you that only becomes more and more alive, and that's 
the Spirit. It's unseen, but it comes to life in you. And so you're not just born again, born natural birth, born water birth. You're born differently. You're born now spiritually. That you're just not a different version of the same old you. You're something new. You're something completely different. And it seems crazy, and it seems a little hard. And so even Paul, as he's writing to the churches that are just getting going in those first that first century, he, he's trying to explain this, and he has that same tension that I feel when I when I try and explain this, right? Because it's it's kind of weird, it's kind of difficult. And so he's writing to the church in Corinth, and look at what he says in 1 Corinthians 15. And again, it gets a little weird, so just hang in there with me, all right? 1 Corinthians 15, 45. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. We, we know Adam, Adam and Eve, Garden of Eden. The last Adam, he's actually talking about Jesus, is a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. So just like we talked about, natural birth, then spiritual birth. Natural birth, then spiritual birth. Adam came, then Jesus came. The first man was the dust of the earth, Adam. God made him out of the dirt and breathed life into him. And the second man is of heaven, right? Confused yet? Hang in there. We'll get there. I promise, right? Because here's where it starts getting good. Just as the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. That's us. We live on earth. And as is the heavenly man, so also those who are of heaven. And just as we, all of us, have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. What that means is we're human because we descend from Adam, but we're also spiritual in that we're made in the image of God. Let me see if I can illustrate this. If you go to Grady County, Oklahoma, right, which is Chickasha, that area down there, and you run into anyone in the entire county with the last name of Wynn, they will look just like me. True story. I look, you take, you take my dad's photo when he was 18, 30, 40, doesn't matter which one, and you put my photo of that same age right next to it, and you'll think we're twins. And you take any of his six brothers, and you can do the same thing. And you take any of my cousins, and you can do the same thing. And I know what you're thinking. Man, those are some ugly girls in that family. Well, luckily, the girls look a little better, but we all have traits, right? We inherited some physical traits, and, and just like you have physical traits that you've inherited or you've passed down, you resemble your family. What Paul is explaining, what Jesus was trying to tell Nicodemus is, listen, you're going to have some earthly traits like your earthly family, but you're going to have spiritual traits like your spiritual family. Because you were made in the image of God, you're going to bear the image of God. That you were born in this world, so you're going to inherit things from Adam. And listen, not everything's good that we inherited from Adam. Because you know what else we inherited from Adam? Sin. And a sinful nature. And just this desire to sin and be selfish and to want and to pursue. And so we inherited this curse... But when we're born again, when we're made in the image of God, when we're born of spirit, 
Now we, in, we inherit the blessing. The blessing of Jesus. The blessing of being heirs, being children of God. And I know what you're saying. If you're even the slightest bit skeptical, you're saying, well, that sounds good for other Christians, but not me. Because I'm not good enough. I've done too much. I'm too far. I've seen too much. I've, right? And we start listening to the enemy. We start listening to the curse because it's easier to believe we inherited the curse than that we inherited the blessing. And yet, God says, no, 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 you have been born of the Spirit. In John 17, there's this amazing scripture all about the Holy Spirit, and it literally says one of the main jobs of the Holy Spirit is to convince believers of their adoption as children of God. That the one thing, one of the main things the Holy Spirit does in me and you is remind us, convince us that we are children of God. Of God, It reminds us of our righteousness, that because we're children of God, we are forgiven, we are made new, we are a result of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. That we become children of God, that he came to reveal his Father to us when he died on the cross for our sins, when he paid the price for me and you, when he walked out of the tomb and overcame death. And see, we won't spend time with a God we think isn't interested in us. And yet Jesus coming, Jesus, that second man, that heavenly man coming to earth is evidence that God cares about me and you. He cares about us. He loves us. He wants us to inherit good blessing from him. He wants us to enjoy all that he has. And so we can't listen to the enemy that's just saying, well, God's just this old grumpy dad who's up there waiting to punish us. Strike us down when we mess up. No, no, no. Jesus said, I came so that you could be saved. God sent his only son not to condemn the world, but to save the world. And then look at how the verse wraps up in verse 50 of 1 Corinthians. It says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, the longer we spend trying to get our flesh to be something God's interested in, the more we miss out on the blessing of God. Because God doesn't want us to be prettier and look better and have it all together. He wants us to, he wants us to understand that what he really wants isn't for us to be more interesting. He wants our obedience. He wants us to submit our lives to him and live our life for him. Not just one time, but every day. He wants us to surrender our heart. He wants us to understand that we are his kids. He is our dad. He is our heavenly father. I tell you, I've got two daughters, and, and here's what I know. All the stuff they have, I paid for. Right? They, they did not buy. She's going to argue. Well, I bought that. Most of the stuff they have, right, I paid for or gave them the money to pay for. God doesn't need your stuff. He doesn't need you to get the flesh together and get him interested. He already gave it all to you. What he wants is for you to surrender. What he wants is for you to acknowledge him as father so that you can understand that you are a son, a daughter of the king, and then it changes how you live because now you're inheriting something so much better, and that's these last two scriptures, right? You made it through the unfamiliar. Now we're going to get to the good news. Now we're getting to the aha moment, right? Because 
what we want to talk about is we talk about what does all this mean, right? What, what does this have to do, Dave? You, you said he's our Heavenly Father, and we call him Dad. Last week you talked about this provision he gives us, this double portion blessing that he wants it to overflow. What does it mean for me right now every day? What it means is that we've got to understand who we are before we try and understand what we're supposed to do, what we're supposed to be. That we need to understand who it is that God has made us. Because if not, if we get that backwards and it's, God, what do you want me to do? God, who, who do you want me to be? How do you want me to act? We fall into this performance trap. And that's where Satan attacks and says, ah, you're not good enough. You haven't done enough. You're, you're, not, you're not doing what I, no, no. Understand who you are, who God claims you as, and then what you do becomes easy. And so, so we go back to where we started. We started in Matthew 6 where, where the disciples noticed Jesus. And they're like, Jesus, when you talk to God, God listens, God moves, God does stuff. So we want to talk to God that way. How do we talk to God? And Jesus tells them, listen, this is how you should pray. Our Father, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Wait a minute, Dave. That's what the religious leaders would say to Jesus when he said it, too. He may be your dad. He's not my dad. Right? We're not that close. We're not that intimate. We're dad. You want me to call him father? Right? That, that's too good to be true. Was well, easy to see God as your boss, right? He's in charge. He gives us orders. He gives us things we're supposed to do. It's a lot harder to see God as a relationship as a family member, as somebody that, you're right, right? Because a boss is going to reward the good, it's going to punish the bad. I can, I can keep all that straight in my head. But, but a God who just loves me because he is love, because he is loving, it's harder. That's exactly what Jesus said. He says, our Father who art in heaven. And then he, then he keeps going. He says, hey, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven now that's a tough prayer to pray because you don't pray that prayer unless you believe that you are children of God you you don't pray that prayer unless you believe that you are a child of God and God works in you and through you and I love that he uses your will right everybody knows what a will is right Will's that piece of paper that the lawyers scratch out and it decides who gets all your stuff when you die, right? But when we talk about will in the Bible, we always talk about God's will as something we're supposed to do, right? Well, I want to know God's will for my life. I want to know where God wants me to go, what he wants me to do, what decision he wants me to make. But why can't we look at God's will as just that, what he wants to give us, that God wants to give you a blessing. God wants to give you something that you're supposed to have, not something you're supposed to do. That God wants you to have healing. God wants you to have freedom from addiction. God wants you to have peace in your life. And when Jesus says, talk to God as your heavenly father, our father who art in heaven, your kingdom come. He's saying, come before God. Call him by his name. And expect him to give you something in return. Expect him to show up with a blessing. Now here's the really, really, really good news. You ready for it? I know you've been anticipating the wow moment. Here it is. In John chapter 14, it says, Very truly I tell you, 
Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And that's either true and it changes everything about your life, or we just need to tear John 14 out of the Bible and not read it anymore. It's either true and it changes everything about your life, or it's just empty words. But I've told you this a hundred times. If a guy tells me he's going to die and be buried and come back to life and he pulls it off, I'm doing everything he says. And Jesus is the only one I know that ever did that. And he said, hey, you want to know what the litmus test is? You want to know how we measure whether or not you're a believer? Have you received the inheritance from the Father? And are you doing with it what Jesus did with it? Have you received the love and the grace and the mercy and the power and the hope and the blessing of God? And are you giving it away? Are you loving others as you love yourself? Are you putting out all the good in the world? See, it changes everything when we pray that prayer and we understand that anybody who believes has access to the power of God. Because when he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what that means for me and you is not we're trying to survive this life and make it to heaven. It's our job to bring heaven to earth. And you know what's not in heaven? Sickness. Loneliness, anxiety, Satan, depression, suicidal thoughts, addiction. None of that's in heaven. And what Jesus is saying, what our heavenly father is saying, hey, I want you to inherit a blessing. I want you to inherit a power. But I want you to use it. I want so much of your spiritual birth, your spiritual part to come alive in a way in which you bring that into the world. And you show freedom. And you show healing. And you show blessing. And you help take away all the bad. You help take away everything. You say, Dave, there's no way. Why not? Because he who believes in me will do the things I've been doing, Jesus says, and will do even greater things than me because I'm going to the father on your behalf that's the wow moment right there because you know that Jesus healed you know that Jesus served you know all the miraculous things Jesus did and Jesus said listen because I'm leaving my spirit behind because I'm going to intercede with the father because I'm going to help you connect to your no ordinary father your perfect loving heavenly father you are going to do greater things than any of the things I did because you get a double portion of inheritance because you get a blessing from God so when Jesus says listen talk to father God ask him to make this place look just like heaven he's saying you have a purpose that you were made on purpose for a purpose with a purpose and that purpose is to bring heaven to earth and it's doable it's doable because we've been born again. We've been born in a spiritual realm. And if you haven't, none of this makes sense. And I get that. You're like Nicodemus. You're saying, Dave, what in the world are you talking about? Born again. It's surrendering your life to Jesus. 
It's being buried in baptism. It's being born different, born new, where your spiritual life takes over and you begin, as John the Baptist would say, you would begin to decrease so that Christ may increase. And you look a lot like, less like yourself and a lot more like a child of God who has the ability and the power and the resource to do what Jesus did. So here's my challenge to you as we close. You are a child of God. You are a son. You are a daughter. You are heir and co-heir with Christ. You have an inheritance from God. And your job, your task, your responsibility is to take that into your home, into your school, into your neighborhood, on your street, in your complex, out into the world, and be a light. One that Satan can't it out. One that's not hidden under a bushel. One that's all around the neighborhood. That your responsibility is to bring heaven to earth, and that changes everything. Starts by praying that prayer. God, your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life. Be done in this world. Just as it is in heaven. And here's how you know when we're winning. When this world starts looking a lot more like heaven. When this world starts looking unified. When this world start, starts looking free from addiction and pain and suffering. And if it doesn't, we need to tap into that power. We need to receive the will of the Father and allow Him to give us those things. So, here's how we close today, right? I always try and give you two invitations when I'm here. First one's always the exact same. If you don't know Christ, if you've never surrendered your life, if you've never accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, if you've never been baptized as the young man gave his confession that he knows why he wants to be baptized because Christ died for him. If you've never done that, then the invitation's yours. Do it today. Listen, I bet there's water in this building somewhere, right? And old Ron may not be here, but he'll be just as happy for you if he's here as if he wasn't. Then the second invitation is for those of you who have been born again spiritually. It's time to come alive. It's time to ignite that fire back in your soul. It's time to tap into the power and pray that prayer and bring heaven to earth. God's got a blessing for you. Better than seconds on Thanksgiving, he's got a double portion of his blessing just for you. You've got to receive it, and you've got to give it away. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. God, thank you for allowing us to be your children. God, thank you that we're no longer orphans. But God, we can live in faith knowing that we have a perfect heavenly Father. And so God, for anybody in the room today that's never received you, never acknowledged you as their Father, would you just open their hearts to that? Would you move their feet to go and have that conversation, to go and ask for help, to go and take their next step, in their faith journey for you. And God, for those of us in the room who have been born again, 
who have received your spirit. God, would you help us live a life that reflects you as our Father? The world may know us by who we look like, so let us look like you. Let us love like you and serve like you and be generous and patient and compassionate like you. God, you are a good God. You love us far more than we deserve, and that's why you're no ordinary father, God. So, God, let us reflect your love. Let us come alive, and let us bring heaven to Tulsa. And we pray it all in your son's name.